I'm Kendall Giles, and this is the Techno Slipstream Podcast, where we explore what you need to know about the intersection of science, technology, and society. This is episode 11. Before we begin, just one quick announcement. We've crossed the milestone of 10 podcast episodes, which must be some sort of common longevity barrier for podcasting, because my hosting platform just sent me a congratulatory email. I'd love to keep going with the podcast, so if you can, please consider supporting the show by heading over to patreon.com slash Kendall Giles. You can not only show your support for all the research, writing, recording, and editing each episode requires, but you can also opt to receive transcripts of each episode in addition to extra writings, such as a new series I'm starting called Livestream Guides. The first one is up, called Writing with Markdown and Scrivener. I'm also planning additional writings and ways to build community around ways to create a better techno future. So I'd love your support and feedback. Now, one big concern we all have with complex technologies such as AI and automation is how these technologies will impact our jobs. Based on what we've explored over previous episodes, I hope you'll agree there is a large gap between the hype we hear from venture capitalists and technology marketers on the one hand and the actual results and performance the technologies are actually able to achieve on the other. So when we hear endless proclamations about the workplace becoming places of increased productivity and innovation with the introduction of AI and automation, I think Techno Slipstream podcast listeners know to be a bit skeptical. So how can we gather actual data How can we learn more about how these complex technologies can change our organizations, our jobs, and society in general? Well, as two examples, in last week's episode, episode 10, we explored two papers researching how robots are used in hospitals and how those technologies materially affect worker roles and workflows. Those papers are two concrete examples of how to gather empirical data for understanding the impacts of technological change. So in this week's episode, I want to take a step back and discuss some of the theory those two papers were built on, the principles and ideas that guided how those field studies were organized, and what sorts of things we can learn when we properly investigate technological change and organizational structures. Don't worry, I I won't go too far down theoretical rabbit holes, but I do want to briefly discuss in this episode two papers that do a good job of creating a theoretical foundation for how to study technological change, especially in organizations. The first paper is The Alignment of Technology and Structure Through Roles and Networks by Stephen Barley. And the second paper, is Using Technology and Constituting Structures, a Practice Lens for Studying Technology in Organizations, by Wanda Orlikowski. Overall, in this episode, we'll re-emphasize that what we need more of is less focus on what technology does, the traditional focus on just features and performance, 
And instead, we need to focus more critically on who the technology does it to and who the technology does it for, as well as how the technology affects us all. Okay, let's dive in. The first paper we'll dive into is Stephen Barley's paper titled The Alignment of Technology and Structure Through Roles and Networks. Stephen Barley is the Christian Felipe Professor of Technology Management at the College of Engineering at the University of California, Santa Barbara. He has a PhD in Organization Studies from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and is an emeritus faculty member. His research focused on the role of technology in organizational change and organizational culture. And I'll just note that I think he's rather unique to be able to focus on organizational studies and technological change within the College of Engineering. Usually those topics fall within the College of Business or perhaps the College of Liberal Arts. So just keep in mind that he is perhaps approaching these topics from this more technical engineering system flavored approach. Barley's main motivation is the belief that previous ways of trying to understand technological change in organizations was based on views of technology that did not incorporate how technologies were used in the context of social dynamics and human action. Listeners of the Techno Slipstream podcast know that the social dynamics and human action components is essential. As we saw, for example, the macro-social forces involved in automation and de-skilling in episode two. But Barley's particular interest is in studying micro-social forces by which technologies affect organizational structures. In other words, he wants to focus not just on whether the technology changes the skills used by a worker to accomplish a particular task, but how the introduction of a technology affects the resulting social relationships in the organization. Barley goes into a lot more detail in his paper, but before getting to his case study, I just want to briefly mention that he built his approach on negotiated order theory and role theory. Negotiated order theory holds that social orders are more or less stable patterns of action, interaction, and interpretation. In other words, social structure is emergent rather than pre-constructed. To help show this emergence, Barley draws on role theory, which says that, in part, the work you do influences with whom you interact and how you relate to others. In other words, technically induced change in a role can change the relational elements of the role. So basically, when a new technology is introduced into an organization, the tasks workers must perform and the skills needed to do those tasks change, as well as other aspects of their work roles. These changes affect the social relations with other workers, which can either complement or contradict existing social networks and organizational structures, which can then change the organization itself. Thus, and I think this is pretty cool, Barley outlined a three-step template for researching technological change in an organization. One, investigate how specific technologies influence tasks, skills, and other aspects of work roles. Two, investigate how those changes 
influence relations between different roles. And three, investigate changes to the organization's social network. With this theoretical foundation and roadmap for his research, Barley conducted fieldwork as a participant observer in the radiology departments of two community hospitals in Massachusetts that had just received new CT medical scanners. CT, or computed tomography scanners, are medical scanners that produced detailed cross-sectional pictures of a human's internal anatomy. Imagine a large ring or cylinder with an x-ray tube on one side and a detector or set of detectors on the other. As these spin around a patient's body, the x-ray tube emits electrons that pass through the patient's body to strike the detectors. Their path attenuated differently by the various tissues in the body. The resulting electric impulses are converted into detailed images of cross-sections of the patient's body. Common today, at the time of Barley's study, CT scanners were relatively new technologies. The length of Barley's study was about 12 months, with data collected four months before the CT scanners went online and eight months after they became operational. Both hospital radiology departments had comparable numbers of radiologists, administrators, technologists, and other support personnel. The data Barley collected included detailed notes and audio recordings on the interactions and activities involved with CT procedures during six to eight hour shifts each day over the course of the year. Barley also gathered department duty rosters, job descriptions, org charts, patient procedure schedules, and interviews with radiologists and technicians. In total, Barley had data for about 400 CT patient examinations. In looking at the roles of the employees in the radiology departments, the radiologists, for example, varied in how long each had been employed. Another key fact was that in the radiology departments, there were different technology scanning modalities being used, such as radiography, fluoroscopy, ultrasound, special procedures, and of course, the new CT modality. Some technologies were older, such as radiography and fluoroscopy, while others were newer, like CT. The interesting observation that was replicated in both hospitals was that the radiologists with more tenure actually ended up being assigned to fewer modalities, and the younger radiologists would be assigned to more modalities. The reason was that the older radiologists had not been able to keep up with the speed of the new modalities being introduced, and so lacked training on the new technologies, whereas those radiologists fresh from their residencies had training across all the modalities, including the new ones. Thus, the more experienced radiologists, who in the past might have been consulted for their wisdom and insights based on their expertise, were consigned to working in the older modalities rather than the new, more interesting and exciting modalities such as CT. This caused interesting dynamics in that the referring physicians soon tended to depend more on the younger radiologists and doubted the assessments from the older and medium-tenure radiologists. This also undermined a previously homogenous social order amongst the radiologists, fragmenting collegial relations and creating political rivalries. Amongst the technicians, 
the modality they were assigned to also changed how they worked. The technologists who worked in the older X-ray modality had little autonomy in their work and were not given opportunities, nor did they even seem to show interest in learning about the X-ray machines they worked with. On the other hand, because the CT and ultrasound scanners required the operator to have an idea of the effect of the scanner on the patient in order to set up the actual scans, the CT technicians especially knew about not only how the CT scanners worked, but also often how to interpret the scans. The CT techs also had more flexible work hours, were depended on to handle equipment servicing questions and issues, were allowed to wear lab coats over their street clothes rather than stock uniforms, and their advice was often sought by administrators, radiologists, and physicians, all in sharp contrast with the experiences of the X-ray techs. The difference in treatment between the X-ray techs and the CT techs gave everyone a strong impression that the hospital valued the new modalities more and that the CT techs received better treatment. Barley concluded that these differences were rooted in the fact that the new modalities were cybernetic machines that required knowledgeable operators who could exercise discretion in the face of uncertainty. These differences shape the relations between the workers and change the structure of the radiology department. There's a lot more in the paper, but I did want to highlight that Barley actually quantified how the organizational structures in the two hospitals differed from ideal hospital hierarchies and reflected the observed behavioral and role changes caused by the new technologies. What I like about the Barley paper is that his focus on the worker roles allowed him to demonstrate how worker skills and activities in performing work tasks on the different technologies influenced role relations amongst the workers. And these relations, in turn, changed both the organizations as well as the occupations' structures. The key insight, to me, similar to what we found in the last episode, is that to understand some phenomenon dealing with technological change in an organization, we find that the details are not found in studying the organization itself, nor the technology itself, but by studying the users of the technology as they are actually using the technology to perform their jobs. Okay, our second paper will look at builds on this idea. The paper is titled, Using Technology and Constituting Structures, a Practice Lens for Studying Technology in Organizations, and is written by Wanda Orlikowski. If you are wondering if Wanda Orlikowski's name sounds familiar, yes, <laughs> she was a co-author for one of the papers we discussed in the last episode, episode 10. Orlikowski is the Alfred P. Sloan Professor of Management and a Professor of Information Technologies and Organization Studies at the MIT Sloan School of Management, and she's received a number of distinguished honors and awards over the years. She holds a BCom and an MCom in Business Information Systems from the University of Witzwatersrand, and an MPhil and a PhD in Information Systems from New York University. Her work investigates technologies in the workplace with particular emphasis on structures, cultures, work practices, and organizational change. 
In the paper, Orlikowski builds on Barley's structural focus to develop what she calls a practice lens to examine how people, as they interact with a technology in their ongoing practices, enact structures which shape their emergent and situated use of that technology. What I like about their approach is that by framing the study on what users actually do with the technologies, this allows the capture of emergent structures not possible with traditional methods. In other words, rather than start with a technology which has embedded it within it certain properties and features as given by the designer, and then study how users use those features, which is the traditional approach, by focusing on what the users actually do with the technology, by focusing on what Orlikowski calls enactment, we often find that users use the technologies in ways different than what was envisioned by the designer. Here's how Orlikowski puts it. Focusing attention on how structures are constituted and reconstituted in recurrent social practices acknowledges that while users can and do use technologies as they were designed, they also can and do circumvent inscribed ways of using the technologies, either ignoring certain properties of the technology, working around them, or inventing new ones that may go beyond or even contradict designers' expectations and inscriptions. These unintended uses can cause what I call unintended consequences. An example of this I often use when teaching my security classes involves security password policies set by an organization. We've all probably worked in some organization where their security policy says users must change their passwords too often, (laughs) say something ridiculous like once every month. The company sets policies like these because it's easy for them to write up and they think it will improve security. But when faced with having to come up with a new password every single month, this is a massive burden to place on the users. So users tend to make their burden easier by changing their passwords according to simple patterns that is easy to remember. Like, this month I'll set my password to football1, next month I'll change my password to football2, and so on. But the unintended consequence of the silly corporate password policy is an actual decrease in security. Because easy-to-remember passwords that change according to set patterns are less secure than the best practice use of strong passwords. There's a lot more in the paper about the theory Orlikowski uses to create her practice lens for studying the use of technology, but let me briefly describe two of the empirical examples she includes based on applying her research framework in field studies. She studied multiple organizations and their use of a famous, but now old, software product called Lotus Notes. Developed in 1989, Notes was an example software product called Groupware that was meant to be used in an organizational setting to facilitate electronic communications and workflows, and it also included shared databases and the ability to create custom applications with distributed architectures. So just to highlight two different groups within one organization, each group invested in purchasing Lotus Notes, but for the same investment achieved drastically different outcomes when using the software. The organization itself was a consulting company, 
the consultants within the company would each try to solve client problems. And the Lotus Notes software was installed in order to provide a repository of expertise and knowledge that could be built up over time so that consultants wouldn't keep reinventing the same wheel for each client. The technologists within the company, whose job was to support the technical infrastructure used by the consultants, ended up using Lotus Notes quite a bit, extensively. They used it for holding electronic discussions, help desk solutions to common consultant user problems, and more. However, the consultants themselves resisted using the software and used it as little as they could, at a minimum. Unlike the technologists, the consultants, in addition to being skeptical that the software could help them manage their clients better, remain unmotivated to learn about the new software features, especially because their performance and pay depended on a time-based billing structure. Their job performance was based on billing clients, and this time spent learning about software was seen as hurting their job performance. One consultant said, Seniors and managers never have non-chargeable hours. It's just not done. It doesn't happen. Similarly, the corporate culture was for consultants to not share information with other consultants. Because of the way the consultants in the company were evaluated and promoted, hiding information from each other was seen as giving them an edge. Thus, they again had no incentive to use an information-sharing software system. So the finding Orlikowski highlights is that the same technologies in practice in different contexts can be used differently. The resulting structures are created, Orlikowski uses the term emerge, from repeated situated interactions between the users and the technologies. The practice lens framework she developed in the paper allows the researcher to see the what, when, where, how, and why the different groups make different choices in terms of how they use the technologies. Though this study was focused on the impact of Lotus Notes within organizations, the larger point of the study, I see, directly relates to AI and automation systems we've been discussing in this podcast series. Orlikowski puts it like this, Technology per se can't increase or decrease the productivity of workers' performance. Only the use of it can. Thus, the counter to the hypey claims of the venture capitalists and marketers touting increased productivity and innovation when using new AI and automation systems is, okay, let me take a look at how the workers are actually using these systems perhaps using Orlikowski's practice lens framework or something similar. And only then will we be able to really see what's actually going on. Until then, don't believe the hype. And with that, we wrap up episode 11 of the Techno Slipstream podcast. Thank you for listening and please be sure to subscribe. And hey, maybe tell a friend about the podcast. If you'd like to help make sure this podcast stays on the air, consider heading over to patreon.com slash Kendall Giles to our Patreon page to sign up. In addition to supporting the show, on Patreon, you can sign up to get the show transcripts, including links to the articles and books discussed in each episode, as well as additional writings such as the new Livestream Guides. 
In any case, again, thank you for listening. And until next time, I'll see you in the Technosubstream.